Are you nervous for your first podcast? <laughs> nah, yes and no. I don't know. <laughs> okay, well. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Grub Don't Give Up podcast. I'm your host, Sarah. And today we're here today with my dad. Welcome Hello. to the show. Welcome, welcome. Hello, daughter. (laughs) So I'm super excited to chat with my dad today because he is, amongst a lot of things, a musician. And on this podcast, we talk about music. We interview musicians and creators. And yeah, he's he's a pretty musical guy. He plays in a band and definitely a groupie like me. Um, But what did you want to be when you grew up when you were a kid? I didn't know what I wanted to be. I mean, uh, I definitely liked music and enjoyed playing music and was in bands and stuff. But I realized fairly early on that that would not be my means of income, you know. So I didn't really figure it out till I was uh, in uh, college and law Mm -hmm. school and that kind of thing. Yeah. Did you ever, like... I don't know if they did this when you were a kid because I know it was different with like school. But did you ever do like the presentations, like whether when you were like a elementary kid or like later in middle or high school where you had to do like a project and research a career and like what you wanted to do and like what it would be like and everything like that or no? Um, I never was given that uh, project. I mean the. I, I would say that I, it sort of evolved. I work as an attorney. Um, I never thought I would become an attorney. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, so it was more happenstance. And it was more process of elimination. Mm. So, you know, I went to University of Buffalo for two years as an undecided, undeclared major and really didn't like it because the school was too big for me. Mm. So I transferred to Canisius College, which was smaller. And I enjoyed that school much more and uh, did well there. And while I was there, I became involved with political science department. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so that was going well. And then uh, they had a brand new thing called the Reich Lee pre-law program that they were had just started when I was there. And my one professor, political science professor, said, well, you know, you might enjoy this. So then I started taking pre-law classes mm-hmm. just because it was a, a new thing. And uh, so started thinking about it and then after I graduated was getting ready to graduate from undergraduate I was thinking you know what what do you do with a political science degree uh, it's the jobs are I could go work in a bank or something like that mm-hmm. and that sounded boring and I didn't want to try to have have to uh, decide on a career so I I went to law school because there was a lot of flexibility. A law degree is very flexible. Every aspect of human endeavor has laws associated with it. So um, I figured I could get a law degree and then figure out what area of law I might want to work in. 
Mm -hmm. And so it became more of a process of elimination as opposed to a specific goal. Um, My one roommate in law school, second year law school, he knew he was going to be a lawyer since he was six years old. Right. So he was, (laughs) he was the opposite. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. And yeah. You know, I met a lot of people at law school that were like that. That's what they wanted to do. I, I never sister. really wanted to be a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> well, my sister is younger, right? Judge, right? From when she was yeah. like five. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, you know, I'm not really sure. That's I think Grant, that what she was like watching TV when she was five or something. And then she said, I want to be a judge. Okay. That's why now she's a judge. <laughs> Yeah, so she, yeah, she had more of a a goal in mind. Um, so it sort of evolved, and uh, and even as I worked as a lawyer, my first job was being a lawyer in the Navy, and I did different mm-hmm. types of jobs in the Navy, and you know, found that I liked certain aspects of it and didn't like other aspects of it, and ended up. Uh, doing trial work presenting cases to a jury and representing uh, litigants whether Mm -hmm. I I was a defense attorney for a while and I was a prosecutor for a while and then kind of decided I would focus on litigation skills doing trial work and then that's a marketable skill so when I left the navy I Mm -hmm. worked as a trial attorney and then focused on that yeah why do i feel like one time you told me you wanted to be a comedian when you were like six um yeah i I thought about that too yeah i like comedians i like comedy and uh um but it's so hard you know it was like yeah i like telling jokes and Mm -hmm. i like seeing funny things or hearing funny jokes and um but again, it's a hobby. Telling jokes is a hobby with friends or joking yeah. around with your pals or whatever. Um, not as a craft or or a uh, or a profession, because mm-hmm. you know I I kind of realized I didn't have the level of talent that you would need to make a living as a comedian or make a living as a musician. Um, It's a very competitive field. Um, And, uh, you know, when I was at University of Buffalo, um, I would see people in the music department and they're all these amazing musicians that Mm -hmm. are just so wonderful. And I'm, you know, I'm just not at that level, not at that caliber. So I was, I kind of knew I would never pursue music as a career full time. Mm-hmm. Um, I had other options. So yeah, a lot of professional music- musicians, from the stories I've read and seen, you know, they really never felt like they had any other option. There was no plan B. They just mm. had a passion to uh, be a musician or a singer songwriter or what have you and and that's what they had to do they they had no choice and they had things that they had to share and that they wanted to share and needed to needed to things inside of them that had to come out Mm -hmm. and uh you know i guess i never had that feeling i Mm. guess you could say you know i have yeah 
So. Yeah. So growing up, like in this, I, I don't know, like, was it, do you identify as like a seventies baby or like a, not a baby, but like, like I identify as like a nineties kid because I grew up in like the nineties and early two thousands. So would you say like when you got into music and culture and like an era, would you say it's like the seventies and eighties? I don't know what I identify with because I mean, I was born in 1963. Mm -hmm. So I really didn't experience the sixties per se, although I listened to a lot of sixties music um, as a teenager in the seventies. So it was, uh, I don't know how to describe it. I don't really think of myself or try to categorize myself as uh in that way, I, I don't mm-hmm. know. That would be for somebody else to decide. Yeah. Well, because I was going to follow up with, like, what was mu- what was music like? Like, what were you listening to? What was, like, the experience of listening to music? Because, like, you are, I think, Spotify's, like, first ever user, I swear. Like, we've had <laughs> Spotify. We have, we've had Spotify for our whole lives, basically, it feels like. But I think, I'm pretty sure, you didn't have Spotify when you were, like, Correct. my age and stuff. No, you so had what was that vinyl like? records. You had to buy your records on vinyl. That was the only way you could get a record, was, uh, was on vinyl. So that was way, way back. Um, and then there were cassette tapes, eventually, and, and then 8-track C- tapes and CDs, but... Um, the, what was the question though? I, I'm getting, I lost track of what I was thinking. I was asking what music were you listening to? All right. What was so the experience like, like, so for example, in the seventies, you know, to me, the, the, the music of the seventies, I, I was listening to stuff from the sixties. So mm-hmm. I loved the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and the who and Led Zeppelin was my two biggest bands are probably. Um, the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and then I was a big Paul McCartney fan growing Mm -hmm. up and would follow their stuff but a lot of a lot of the 70s McCartney stuff is kind of uh, watered down Um, and I would so I got latched onto an artist like I loved Paul McCartney and then okay Mm -hmm. he's in the Beatles so then oh here's this guy John Lennon so I would just have to consume everything that they have. So I'd have all the listen to all the Beatles records and listen to all the McCartney records and listen to all the John Lennon records and George Harrison and Ringo Starr. So okay, now the Beatles are covered. Then I'm listening to Led Zeppelin or and then you hear what influenced them. So mm. then listen to um because they did a lot of cover songs for other bands. So you would listen to the origins or the roots or or some of the stuff like Led Zeppelin has a a lot of blues. um, And I like the blues genre. So, um, you know, listening to Muddy Waters and Mm -hmm. all these blues artists like that, BB King, uh, Buddy Guy, um, that kind of older stuff, Uh, Robert Johnson. And then, so in the seventies, but then you hit disco for a while. So, oh, but yeah. I didn't really like 
it was okay, but I wasn't totally into it. So I would listen to Led Zeppelin before I would listen to the Bee Gees, you know, mm. but it was, a, and the, so, you know, and then, in the, and then, so the seventies, I listened to mostly sixties music. And then in the eighties, I was a little more contemporary because mm. you had, I liked U2 a lot and I liked REM a lot and they were 80s bands so okay. i wasn't into the hair bands or anything like that and i've always loved bob dylan so bob dylan was uh, uh but he was around since the 60s so yeah um you know and then tom petty came out in the 70s but i it wasn't until the late 70s that i started listening to tom petty mm-hmm. um and following that band um and recently went just recently flew out to visit with you and <laughs> see Mike Campbell, who's the guitar player for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and, and just saw his band a couple weeks ago. And they're still terrific. It was a fantastic concert. Um, so I'm still listening to that stuff. So the 80s stuff I would listen to. Um, and uh, Dave Matthews, I got into Dave Matthews. Mm-hmm. Um for a long time and um i don't know just listen to a lot of different things i can imagine myself when i'm your age going to chelsea color concerts all over the country right because right. i'm like a groupie just like you like i'm a i'm a diehard fan and i love well, her so much hopefully she's around i mean i saw the rolling stones for the first time um not that long ago i think when they were in buffalo about five years ago so mm-hmm. And uh, they were fantastic, and they're, it's they're very old men. They're like in yeah. their seventies, and it's like holy cow, these guys are still great. It yeah, was, it was unbelievable. That I know it is. It is pretty cool. A lot of it was the strength of their songs, though. They wrote some really good mm. songs that uh, have universal themes and resonate with me, and resonate with a lot of people as well. Um, they're not necessarily political songs or mm-hmm. or uh, commentary um, although I do like artists that write about uh, current events so to speak mm-hmm. um, I like like Neil Young comes to mind for me he's always writing about what what's going on um, I like different genres too not just rock mm-hmm. and roll I would listen to uh, country music and you know like Willie Nelson and that kind of stuff uh, I'm listening. I'm a. I'm on to Marty Stewart right now. Is kind of my country guy that I've been mm-hmm. listening to lately, and um, like classical music. There was a movie that came out called Amadeus about Mozart, and uh, so I listened. Got on a classical music kick for a while, listening to that stuff, and I like mm-hmm. jazz a lot. I would listen to jazz, so I got into Miles Davis and Sonny Rollins and John Coltrane and Dizzy Gillespie, mm-hmm. uh, bebop and uh, that kind of stuff. And would listen to different jazz bands and go to jazz concerts too. And bluegrass and, and uh, all kinds of stuff. So just you name it, any kind of music, I, I pretty much like it. And you're forgetting um, the tragically hip because I have one of your old right. t-shirts and everywhere I go, old men are like, the hip, the hip. And I'm just like, oh my God, I forgot I have yes. a shirt today. 
never gotten so many people talking to me but it's like I'm like oh my gosh it's literally there. my dad like yeah. it's not anybody that I would ever I don't know well know. you should you should listen to them <laughs> I need to because um, I wear that shirt and I get so many like I get so many things all I know is it was Toronto I and then it has Toronto on it. And I'm like, yeah, it was the Toronto concert. <laughs> and that, <laughs> that was, was at like, the Phoenix. That yeah. was at the Phoenix, which is a small little club in Toronto. And they would play hockey rinks, hockey arenas, like the Air Canada Center. But I got to see them at a very small venue, you know, yeah. and I got to just stand right in the front row. And poor oh, Downey, the singer, is sweating on me. And I'm loving yeah. every minute of it. It was fantastic concert. Um, you know, they, they, they are the Rolling Stones of Canada, that band no longer exists per se. The singer Gord Downey passed away from brain cancer. So Mm. we don't get any new stuff from the tragically hip, but yeah, that's, they're a terrific band and my band, we play a lot of tragically hip songs, um, because we love their music. To me, it's all about the music and the song. Um, I like the lyrics and, and the melody and, and the the craftsmanship associated with with the yeah. with the music and appreciate it. So, um, yeah, I'm leaving off a lot of stuff. You know, after we're done talking, I'll think of a <laughs> twenty more bands that we should have talked about, but. <laughs> The hip, the hip are definitely up there on the list for me. Like, love that band. Yeah. Well, we'll have to make a playlist, and you can put your top, right. like your tops, on there, and then that way we just know, like, every single one that we need to know from the seventies, eighties, and to now. So you talked about like enjoying the craft of music and singing, songwriting. So when did you? first start getting into music yourself i was in junior high school so that is like i don't know sixth grade or seventh eighth, seventh grade mm-hmm. and um let's see um there was a movie called Live and Let Die that came out in 1976, I think it was. So I was 13, and the song for that movie was written by Paul McCartney. And I was involved in chorus, so I sang in at school. Mm-hmm. And um, I was involved with the, the uh, doing plays. So we did, you know, did, we put on plays in junior high school um so and i had friends that played music and i learned how to play guitar and and made friends that played guitar and tried to get in bands and that kind of thing so when i heard this paul mccartney song live and let die i I thought that's a really cool song because it has lots of different parts to it it has a rock and roll part to it it has Mm -hmm. uh, um different uh movements within it i guess you could say and then uh, took they had a guitar class you could take at school. Um, so for six months, I for half a semester or for a semester, whatever it was, I got to play guitar, learned how to play guitar. 
at school. And, uh, you know, it just went from there, I guess you could say. Um, so I, and I understood music. I used to be able to read music because through chorus, you would mm-hmm. have the notes and read the music and, and I understood the notes and what made, made a chord and so forth. And, um, so just, you know, one step at a time through singing and, and learning music and playing guitar and then playing in bands and hearing a song that you like and learning how to play it. Um, I would play along with the records, uh, to practice and mm-hmm. learn songs and then joining bands. And then the bandmates would have new songs. Uh, that's where I kind of discovered the, uh, uh, U2, my, the drummer loved U2, mm-hmm. and we, we did some U2 songs, and then I really got into them. And that band actually from that I was in back in the early 80s, we're going to get back, we're going to get together, we're going to have a night. On July 9th, we're going to get back wow. together after uh, all these years. This, the guitarist, oh my gosh! And the guitarist... Um, was a big Frank Zappa fan. Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention. He's a very creative, amazing musician. So I listened to a lot of Frank Zappa during that era. And uh, we would play Frank Zappa songs and U2 songs and played a 4th of July party. That was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, just... But then when I went away to college, I didn't do as much music. And when I was in law school, I didn't do as much music, although I always played and had my guitars and and, and keyboards and still mm-hmm. kept up with it. But nothing regular, didn't have a band or anything like that for, for a number of years. Yeah. We were so busy how- with children and, yeah. and that kind of thing. <laughs> That whole shebang. So okay. how did your first like band come to be? And like, did you guys play at like the dive bars or like, did you just play in the basement? You know? Um, yeah, we played a lot of graduation parties. And, nice. Uh, my first band was just a, a friend of mine from high school and a guy that we used to work with. Um and we played a couple parties for friends that we worked with and stuff. And it was just for fun. And mm-hmm. then um, that was, uh, that band was called DDT, Doug, Dennis, and Tom. That was, <laughs> that was, uh, that was uh, as far as the originality of that band. But we did a lot of Led Zeppelin and uh, ZZ Top, LaGrange, and uh, uh Blues-based stuff, a couple Beatles songs, and then um, uh, then when I worked at a restaurant, I met other. Uh, then you become a, on the lookout. So now I'm on the lookout mm. for other musicians to talk about music and to maybe get together and play music. And so I met people through work. Um, so my most recent band. Um, so the drummer, I've been with the drummer with Ed, the drummer for since the eighties. So we've been Mm -hmm. in different bands over the years and, and the current band, um, we were kind of looking for a singer and I was, so we had this thing called the lawyers for the arts where a bunch of 
lawyers who are also musicians. We uh, put on a music show and then raise money for local artists. So like this year we raised $40,000 and we'll give out uh, grants, $1,000 grants to 40 different art art institutes or artists within Western New York area yeah. uh, through the art services initiative. So, and then that's where I, our singer, I found our singer for our current band, Joe and our current band's been together for seven years. Yeah. So, um, does that answer your question? Yeah. It's just, well, it's just a discussion, you know? Okay. So also I'm remembering before this band, you you guys did a little like you made your own uh record you you put it on apple music yes. i think it's, so what, it's what still was there that? it's on spotify embarrassingly it's on spotify no that's the, amazing uh, so let's talk about spotify for a second because yeah. back in the day they had this thing called napster yeah and um the Napster guy got in touch with the Facebook guy, Zuckerberg, that was in that movie. Um, so Napster basically failed because they didn't, they had the publishing issues and copyright issues with yeah. the artists. So Napster didn't have that piece of the deal worked out. So they failed, but that was the precursor to streaming music. Mm. Um, they had other things called LimeWire and other BitTorrent sites where you could basically, yeah. you know, get music for free, which destroyed the record, the the recording industry as as it was at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the recording industry, when they were making vinyl records, they it was very controlled and they mm-hmm. made a lot of money. Um, it was a lot quicker and easier and less expensive to make compact discs. Mm-hmm. and digital music there was a loss in sound quality to a certain mm-hmm. extent back then right. but but they were able to sell the same thing it cost them less money and they sold the same thing but the problem was that it was digital so now it's very easy to reproduce and uh um so you know you don't see the record companies like they existed in the 70s and 80s don't exist mm-hmm. now anymore um, with modern technology so then spotify came was one of the new like came out itunes was the other big one right mm-hmm. and uh you know spotify was was great and i still use it all the time and enjoy it very much um and and then i did do some recording and stuff yeah we had our band the band before this band so it was the same drummer, the same bass player, and me on guitar, and we had a different singer-guitarist. And he had a lot of songs that he wanted to record, and he loved doing the recording. Mm-hmm. He had a little recording studio set up in his house, and uh, um, it was portable because uh, it was digital eight-track. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we recorded uh, different tracks at different places, and put that together and that was a lot of fun um a good experience and uh i did some stuff myself by myself on um garage band uh the apple product which i really enjoyed working with and then 
the current band, we did a demo disc that we went to a recording studio and spent a day in a recording studio and recorded a bunch of stuff to make a demo disc, um, which was a little more traditional approach, I guess you could mm-hmm. say. So, yeah, the recording is fun and interesting. Um, I don't have the patience for all the for all the technical stuff I'd, i'm much more interested in the creative process and the mm-hmm. writing process as opposed to the engineering process um, yeah but you know it, it's fun to do and i know what i want to hear and you know i'd be good at mixing i think mm. but uh not necessarily interested in and then if you try to do it all yourself um, which is what I did with GarageBand. It's very mm-hmm. time time consuming. And then and then you realize the the options are unlimited. You know, it's like you have all these unlimited tracks, and you could spend forever just agonizing over every little detail. Mm-hmm. Um, so my current mindset is a little more old school, which I kind of like. For example, Tom Petty. Um, has an album called Mojo where it was basically recorded live mm. at their recording studio rehearsal space. Uh, very little overdubs, if any. And um, they just rehearsed the songs till they sounded great. And then they mm-hmm. re- recorded it. And it didn't take real long. And uh, I, I like those or the organic sound to that Mm -hmm. yeah but that's how i feel today like back in the day you know there's the beatles had a famous album called sergeant peppers and it was revolutionary that was made on a four track recorder right with all kinds of overdubs and production and um you know that was very revolutionary for its time it came out in 1967 um and uh they they was uh super involved and that's great to listen to and and fun with what they came up with but again you could spend too much time doing too many fancy things you lose the essence of a song to me the essence of a song is you have an emotion that you're trying to communicate or a message mm-hmm. or an image that you you want to communicate or convey and um so sometimes that can get lost in the mix if you're trying to do too much yeah. too many frills too many doodads yeah well so what is your like creative process when you write like songs and music to me it's like um you sort of have to it's almost like a meditation type of thing Mm -hmm. um and uh i usually would just write on guitar and start strumming or sometimes i'll just be practicing and i'll just um be goofing around trying to come up with a lick or something like that i have a little four track recorder on my iphone and Mm -hmm. there's probably a hundred little tidbits on there of little ideas for songs and stuff little riffs um that uh someday might grow into something little seeds Mm -hmm. (laughs) that have been planted so (laughs) to speak 
Um, but I think to write a song, I mean, different people have different process. Gord Downey, the, the lyricist and singer for Tragically Hip, he was a poet and he would write poems and then um, the band would have the music and then he would, you know, fold his, his uh, poems into the music, mm-hmm. uh, adding melody. Um, Jim Morrison from The Doors, another band that I really love, uh, he was a poet as well. So he would write poems, and the way he would try to remember his poems is he would set melodies to the poems. So he'd write the poem, and then he'd write, then he'd have a melody to remember the poem, and then he would sing his poem to the band, and the band would figure out what co- what key it was in, what chords they were playing, and then the band would embellish and and create from from that uh origin yeah um sometimes a a guy like paul mccartney sometimes the melody comes first and the words come later right a guy like dave matthews a lot he'll start with the melody a little more and use nonsense words and just make making the the music first and then filling the words in later, but some words fit better than others. Um, So there's different ways that you can do it. Um, But you definitely have to sort of um, be open to it. Bob Mm -hmm. Dylan talks about just being a receptor, you know, just receiving it from from wherever you know they it's like oh i didn't write it you know i just Mm -hmm. received it so and my my take on that is that it's just their you know their subconscious or whatever they're creating this music and they're listening to what they've created subconsciously or whatever and they're just letting it flow yeah and um and then taking it down whether they're recording it or writing it down or what have you um Bela Fleck, who's uh, one of my musical heroes, he's a jazz banjo player, bluegrass player. He talks about allowing during the inspiration phase, you want to just go with the flow and just get it down. Don't worry about it. Don't judge anything. Just Mm. let it go. And then if you start editing yourself, then you're going to lose that flow of inspiration or creativity. So the editing, editing phase and the arranging phase is, can be done later after, right. after you get the initial thoughts. Or, and he used to come have, have ideas or hear, you know, get ideas for music. And he would call his answering f- machine at home and he would sing it into his oh, answering machine. That's so funny. Before, this is before oh. the iPhone, right, obviously. Before, like, voice, voice memo. Right. So, um, you know, that's there's so there's all kinds of different ways to do it. Um, yeah, that's that's really cool. Like, I I know Chelsea Cutler talks about how she does like the voice memo stuff. And then I learned that she like she she's like writing and like producing everything. And then when they go to do the tour, like she was like, all right, guys, like let's listen to the album, and then they listen to the album, and then her drummer Gavin is like, all right, I just gotta like make the drum like 
make it into a live show since she produces everything just like pretty much on guitar and piano and then they add like the beats you know right but then when they go to live it's all like it's it's like the same songs but it's right different you know because it's way more drums and like way more like a band it and definitely evolves so too yeah it definitely evolves and i feel that you know a group approach i think is usually beneficial because you get more than one perspective on the same thing and i think like the beatles for example the the sum of the parts the whole was greater than the sum of the parts you know they yeah there was four guys, but it was like combined. It was like having eight guys there. They're just, they all contributed their little things. And um, definitely the song does evolve. You know, I've, I've written songs and presented them to the band and we start mm-hmm. playing it. And then the drummer has a different beat that I would never thought, but Hey, it's working. If it sounds good, go with it. You know what I mean? Right. And if it, and then the bass player will start playing something different. And you're like, okay, that adds a new dimension. And how can we make that work? Or, or And if it's not working, it's like, yeah, let, not so much. Let's try something else. Yeah. You know? Totally. Awesome. Well, this has been super fun and great. And I feel like we talked about so much good music and career and everything. Is there anything else that you wanted to chat about or share before we wrap up and just end well i'm i'm a music lover and i think Mm -hmm. a lot of people a lot of people love music music but not everybody and i'm always interested and amazed that some people that don't really aren't interested like they have talk radio on in the car and Mm. you know that's they don't listen to music as much or 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 or, and people that but music is a great way to communicate. It's uh, and there's a magic to it that I think um, a lot of people um, love and mm-hmm. and respect and appreciate. So but that would so if you enjoy music and are a musician and want to play music, please by all means do. Mm-hmm. Um, I always. I don't know how modern day it amazes me how modern day um, artists can survive uh, financially under the circumstance. Um, uh, a lot of it seems to a lot of the income seems to be generated from ancillary things like selling T-shirts and stickers and uh, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, separate and apart from the music, but still the people are there want, are there to listen to the music. Um, everything seems to be back in the day. You only had radio, right? Know, so there was only one thing you could go to, or you know. Now with the internet, there's a, a lot, a lot of different things you can hear everybody at once, and it's it's hard to find one thing and there's no one to curate it for you Mm. a radio station would have a curator like a disc jockey would play music that they liked you know and then if you found a disc jockey that has your same similar musical tastes that might help you discover an artist or right a music or what have you and 
So who's really curating the music today? I guess, you know, podcasters, um, uh, what have you, but, uh, yeah, well, that actually reminds me on Spotify, at least like the last time I checked into it, um, their like playlists were all curated by playlist curators, like, but then AI curates like your right. dis- discover weekly or release radar or like daily mix one or whatever radio, you know? So it's interesting that you bring up like yeah. the transition to a less like humanized curation in some ways, especially with like streaming. That's just like an algorithm, you know, and not even, anything you can control whereas spotify like premium you can pick which songs you want to listen to and sometimes it works pretty good and it's a little scary how how it's like oh yeah that's pretty cool i i've had that experience the other thing i saw the the other day was that you know you can buy t-shirts on spotify too really (laughs) yeah Uh you scroll down you scroll down and they got they're selling the merch I was just on it the other oh, day, and so it's funny. like, it's like, oh, I can buy a Willie Nelson T-shirt. That's <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. You know? Well, they tell me when the concerts are too on Spotify. They like right. tell me where concerts are near me, or like they're like your your artist thanks you for being a fan. Like if you follow people, and right. then they sell you, send you like the pre-sale code. But I mean, that's like marketing. But at the same time, I want to go to the show. So I'm not annoyed by the email because I'm like, oh, good. I wouldn't have known otherwise or like I would have known too late or something, you know, like I I don't really mind that part, which is kind of interesting. And I think most artists really appreciate their fans because yeah, the validation factor, I think, plays a large role in that. But, you know, it's nice to be appreciated and the artist works very hard um at their craft to mm-hmm. to to have that people love their music like they love their music you know and so that's that's always uh nice like when like when i got to meet mike campbell i was mm-hmm. you know this this idiot uh uh fan but <laughs> he was appreciative he was super yeah. nice and uh you know, he's, he's uh, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but he took five minutes to say hi and mm-hmm. take a picture and, and be friendly and nice. And that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's so that's so nice. OK, so last question to wrap up. What like you, we're ta- we were talking about the Mike Campbell concert, but what is like your favorite concert or even just a most memorable concert from any time in your life that you can little quick anecdote a quick other than the mike campbell one that i just told well, you let's well, see you can the, share um, more about that one if you want to well, or you can share something else um i do have like a list i didn't i don't know if i have it handy but there's been i've have been to a, a number of wonderful concerts that were very moving and um surprising uh, one paul mccartney's concert in buffalo was terrific he was wonderful um Last time he was here, and when I remember, did he play? What year was it? What venue I don't did remember. he play? He played at the hockey arena. Okay. The one I remember uh, that was really cool was a tragically hip concert. It was in Fort York in Toronto, which is 
this old, you know, fort that's in the middle of the city, but they didn't tear it down. And it was a big grassy area and they set a stage up at one end and the concert was from beginning to end just really really great they they just killed it from beginning to end and then you know you just had the buzz of the excitement lasted for a week afterwards and it's Mm -hmm. like wow that was an amazing concert and they were terrific and they were at the height of their powers and just hit on all cylinders that so that was really fun um i like a, a jazz band called the bad plus that we saw i got to see in a, i like seeing concerts in small venues i love mm-hmm. seeing artists in small Same. venues that's that you can uh be up close and personal and hear everything really well and see everything really well um so uh a number of those uh, concerts come to mind under that scenario. Um, so that's, so I would vote for small venues. Yeah. And I'm always, and I always have a lot of respect for artists that can just be one person in an instrument and carry, carry the day. So I saw Bruce Springsteen solo. It was just him in a hockey arena. Wow. And he, he was phenomenal. So Bruce Springsteen in a guitar can, can, you know, Ed Sheeran can mm-hmm. fill Wembley with a little guitar, yeah. Ed Sheeran and a little guitar, Paul McCartney in a guitar, John Lennon in a, in a guitar, um, uh, Dave Matthews in a guitar. Those, those kind of artists are, are really far and few between and they're few and far between, I mean, mm-hmm. and, um, Love those types of artists. Alicia Keys in a piano. Yeah, you know? so true. So true. Love it. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come share your wisdom and parts of your life story on your first podcast episode. And yeah, was... yeah well, I don't think you really want people to follow you on Instagram or anything. Correct. So don't follow him or look don't him up. Don't follow. Unfollow me. <laughs> unfollow. If you're following me, fo- unfollow me. No, and I'm don't joking. stream trick shifter. Don't stream. <laughs> don't, don't stream trick shifter. It's really but horrible. But you can. You can go to your concert in Buffalo. Yes, we just played the Sportsman's Tavern on Friday. We're going to be there again later this year, and uh, we're playing in another month. We just have a lot of fun. It's it's yeah. almost a it's becoming a social event at this point. You I've know. heard it's I've heard it's like the total rage of the town. So <laughs> well, not the whole town. <laughs> we have a good time. Okay, well, thank you for coming on. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you later. Thank you for having me. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye.